Hey, we're excited that uh, um, this week, this last week, on the Friday night, Sean was baptized with the uh, Holy Spirit in uh, the Jesus Crusade. We're excited with him about that. And uh, also that uh, last night, Sister Mia made a decision. She said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. We're going to do that tonight. Praise the Lord. So God is doing great things to those that will expect and believe for it. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'm excited about the Word of God tonight and what God is going to show to us and share with us in the Word of the Lord. Three passages of Scripture. The first one is in Romans chapter number 4. The second one is in James chapter number 1. And the third passage of Scripture is in the book of Matthew uh, chapter number 14. Matthew 14. First of all, in Romans chapter number 4. We're going to begin reading in verse 17. This is an awesome passage of Scripture that uh, holds the doctrine of justification by faith that uh, historically Martin Luther, at the time of the Reformation, stood up and declared that we're not saved by works, but the Bible says very clearly that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And this passage of Scripture here, chapter 4 of Romans, indicates that uh, Abraham's faith was counted to him for righteousness. And so Abraham was considered righteous even before the law was given. And uh, um, this was like a supernatural deal for him to be considered righteous before the law was given. But the Bible says it was because when God gave him a promise that he believed that promise, that his faith was accounted to him as righteousness. And this was a type of what happens to us today because we believe in the cross, because we believe in Jesus Christ's promises. Our faith is counted as righteousness. Romans chapter number 4, verse 17. The Bible says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God. God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. That's the kind of God that we serve. He calleth those things which be not as though they were. Praise the Lord. Verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, or another translation, as good as dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. But verse 21 says, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And we're going to turn to the book of James, but I want you to put your bookmark here in Romans chapter 4, because we're going to come back and look at this passage of Scripture for a few minutes tonight. James chapter number 1, verse number 5. It's an awesome promise from the Word of the Lord. How many are glad for the promises in God's Word? Amen. There's over 1,200 promises personal promises in the word of God. But verse five, here's one. It says, if any of you lack wisdom, 
let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and it shall be given him. But verse 6 says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It says, ask in faith, nothing wavering. If you waver, you're like a wave of the sea tossed to and fro. If that's the way your faith is, then you shall not receive anything from the Lord. Finally, Matthew chapter number 14, verse number 25. This is a story from Scripture, the life of Jesus. It says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. And straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Everybody say hallelujah. It's awesome when you step out in faith that God will undergird you. But notice what the next verse says. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? See, the reason I want to uh, use these verses of Scripture to minister to you today, I felt led by the Lord in prayer today to minister to Life Church, is that many of you have taken a step of faith. Many of you, as we have talked in the last few weeks, have stepped out of the boat into a new arena in trusting and believing God. But once you step out of the boat on faith, there is something that you need to know. And that is, you have got to have strong faith. You have got to establish faith that does not waver and faith that does not stagger. Faith that refuses to be affected by the circumstances and by the surroundings. And I want to teach to you just for a few moments this evening... I want the Spirit of the Lord to minister to our hearts about establishing or building unwavering faith. Because in life, church, if we have people that have strong faith, that have unwavering faith, faith that is not defeated by things that are visible, by obstacles that appear, by circumstances that come up, faith that refuses to be deterred and refuses to waver, then we will have a church that no devil in hell, no brigade of the enemy, 
no effort of Satan and no power in this world can stop. Amen? Because God has given us limitless power. But we tap into that power by having great faith. By having strong faith. By having faith that is single-minded. By being full of faith. By being consistent about our concept of the promises of God. Hallelujah. I want to build unwavering faith in my life. I, I, I found out in serving God that i got to fight for my faith. I might have had great faith three years ago, but I got to keep that great faith. I've got to fight for that faith every day of my life. I got to wake up in the morning and resist the enemy. I've got to wake up in the morning and let Satan know you're not taking my faith today. Amen. God's promised it to me. I'm believing him for it. Whatever circumstances come up, whatever situations arise, I'm not going to let it affect the fact that God's promises are true. They're forever settled. Hallelujah. And you can take them to the bank. Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord. Jesus, I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, to minister your word, to deliver a word of hope, Lord Jesus, to somebody, Lord God, that they might believe, Lord, that you are able to do what you promised that you would do in their lives. Be with us, Lord God. Let your will be accomplished and we will give you all the glory. And everybody said, Amen. Everybody know what I'm talking about. Anybody met someone before that'll just promise you anything? And they talk so smoothly and they're so glib and it sounds so great that you just believe it? Yeah, they can do that for me. I believe they're going to handle it for me. Anybody ever been suckered by somebody's personality like that before? And then you wake up and you find out several months later that you know what? It was an empty promise. Whether they intended to do it or not, they couldn't perform what they had promised. Maybe they got too many things going. Maybe they got themselves overly obligated. Maybe they're just not a person that tells the truth. But for whatever reason, something happened in that critical time between the promise and the performance of the promise. See, that's why I'm excited to preach to you this afternoon because we serve a God that's different than any of those kinds of people. Because when He gives us a promise, uh, you can be guaranteed that He will perform His promise. God's promises are different uh, than Hillary Clinton's promises. God's promises, amen, are different uh, than John McCain's or Barack Obama's promises. Because when God makes a promise, you can put it in the bank because His Word is sure. The grass withereth when the sun comes up. The flower fades in the fall, but the Word of God will stand forever. And if God gives us a promise... uh, Whatever the promise is, you can bank on the promises of the Lord. His word is settled forever. The promises of God are yea and amen. And these 1260 promises in the word of God are for you. And it's time for you to let God's word define who you're going to be and what's going to happen in your life. See, people that don't know how to use their faith end up letting their circumstances determine who they're going to be. They let themselves be determined by their past, by their failures, by their weaknesses, by their family tradition, by their ethnicity, by their upbringing. That's who I am. But God's plan is for His people to be defined by His Word. And when we learn how to operate in faith and and tap into God's power through faith, then we can let God's Word define who we are. Amen. 
It's a completely different message. But uh, Gideon was uh, approached by an angel. And the angel said, God is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said, I know you're not talking about me. Because I'm weak in my father's house. My father's the least in Manasseh. Surely you're not talking about me. See, he was letting his family background and his perception of himself and his upbringing determine who he was going to be. In the meantime, God was saying, I'm going to do something in your life that you can't fathom, that you can't imagine, that goes beyond your imagination and your expectation. But you're going to have to learn to reject what you've been allowing to define you and let my word define who you're going to be. Amen. Can I remind you of something? This is God's word. Brother Rick, amen. I hear Brother Rick say this all the time. This is God's word. I am who this book says that I am. And I can do what this book says that I can do. And I have what this book says that I have. This is the word of God. Amen. And every promise in the book is yours. And you need to lift up your head. You need to pick up your bottom lip. You need to throw your shoulders back and realize I'm a child of God. I'm a child of promise. I'm a child of Abraham. Every promise in the book belongs to me. You look at the uh, word of God where God gives Noah a promise. And then he fulfills it. God gives Joseph a promise in a dream, and then God fulfills it despite impossible odds. God gives Peter a promise, uh, and then he fulfills it. Joshua and Moses and Abraham, all of these figures in Scripture, that God would speak a word, a specific word of promise to them, and then their life circumstances would take them a million miles away from that promise being fulfilled. Uh, And we wonder, where is God? Maybe they wondered, why did I feel this impression? Why did I think God told me He was going to do this, uh, and now my life is so far away from it? And they think it's all a mistake, uh, and God's setting them up, amen? Because God's going to perform it in the end, uh, and He's going to perform it in a way that only He will be able to to get the glory and nobody will be able to say I did it or I accomplished it praise God somebody praise him because he's worthy there are many many promises in scripture together with those that were given specifically to individuals there are promises that are to whosoever will to those that will claim them by faith promises for healing of the body amen By his stripes ye were healed. We have a legal right to healing through the atonement. The broken back of Jesus Christ. By the whip. Amen. By the whip of the soldier, the Roman soldier that ripped open his back. That was done on purpose. That wasn't random. That wasn't arbitrary. That wasn't just to add a little element of pain and suffering to the story. Hallelujah. He could have just died on the cross, but he took a a licking. He took a beating, and then he died on the cross because his death was to take care of our sins, but his beating was to take care of our sicknesses. Bible promises, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Bible promises that the Lord Jesus loves to pour out his Holy Spirit. He said, if you'll give your son a fish when he asks for one instead of handing him a scorpion, if he asks for bread, you'll hand him bread instead of stone. How much more? How much more does your father delight in giving you the Holy Spirit? Amen. The Holy Ghost is ours and the power of the Holy Ghost is available to us through the promises of the word of God. Amen. 
I could go on and on because the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but there's a promise that says there's joy coming in the morning. And whatever you find yourself in the midst of, whatever you find yourself struggling with right now, there is a promise in the Word of God that it will not last but for a night, but for a season, and there will be joy in the morning. I wonder if somebody take hold of the promise of God right now, that weeping and stress and difficulty won't last forever, but the Word of God promises it's only for a while. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. Righteous people go through tough times. But read the rest of the scripture. It says, and the Lord delivereth them out of them all. Many afflictions, but 100% deliverance. Amen? Many afflictions, but 100% deliverance. I know I'm a child of God because I'm suffering a withering attack of the enemy. But I know I'm a child of God and I've got a deliverer that's going to deliver me out of them all. Hallelujah. Many are the afflictions, but many are the promises of God. Come on, somebody praise Him right now. I'm talking about the promises of the Word of God. I'm talking about something that's more valid and valuable than a politician's promise. Think of the person that you trust the most. I want you to think some right now about somebody that you know. If they tell you something, you know that person. You've been knowing them a long time. And you know they're going to make good on their promise. No matter what they have to do, they're going to fulfill their promise. I want you to think about that person. And I'm going to tell you right now that Jesus Christ goes beyond that level of dependency, uh, of being able to depend on Him. You can count on the promises of Jesus Christ. You can count on the promises of the Lord. Hallelujah. We've been in a time where we've been stretching ourselves with giving. It's been a tough time for some people. There's been a time of squeezing. But I'm here to tell you that the Word of God has some promises. The Bible says if you give, it will come back to you. It says it will come back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That means if you bring a scoopful, it's coming back to you. But it's not just a topped off scoopful. It's a scoopful that's been pressed down. And then it's heaped up. And it's rolling over. And the Bible says it's not going to fly out of heaven. But men are going to put it into your chest. Men are going to put it into your bosom. It's going to happen because the Word of God makes a promise. Say, the Lord said, prove me. Let me show myself to you. Bring your tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that is so great that you will not have room enough to contain it. I'm talking about the promises of the living God. The Word of God promises that there is power in your prayer. That you are not wasting time when you pray in faith. When you bow your knee and you ask God about something, you are not wasting your time. Because Jesus made a promise in His Word. He said, what things soever you desire, when you pray, if you believe, you will receive them. Come on, somebody. Do you believe the Word of Jesus? Do you understand the implication of this? 
Hallelujah. Man, I thank God for His Word. Because there are so many promises that are available for my life. And the cool thing about God's promises is they don't have a best if used by date on them. They don't spoil. They don't go bad. They don't turn brown like the bananas and shrivel up like the grapes. The promises of God have a long, long, long shelf life. Just ask Moses. Just ask Joshua when they finally stepped into the promise that God gave to their great, 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 however many greats, Grandpa Abraham, that the promises of God do not go bad, but the promises of God are eternal. Hallelujah. If there's an obstacle between me and my promise, between me and what God has promised me, then I am guaranteed that that obstacle is going to be skirted or destroyed, or decimated, or something's going to happen, because there is nothing that can keep me from the promises of God. I said there is nothing that can keep me from the promises of God. So the question is, why do some people live a blessed life, and some people live a frustrated life? Why are some people able to tap into the promises of God while other people look in the distance, always like the proverbial donkey with the carrot on the stick leading them and never seeming to be able to obtain and tap in to the promises of God? I'm telling you, it's one simple word. It's one simple word that I've come to preach to you tonight. And that word is faith. And learning how to have a faith that is not wavering or shaken, hallelujah, by the circumstances, but a faith that is strong, a faith that is well placed in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. How do I build this unwavering faith? Well, first let me prove to you that that's what you need. You need an unwavering faith to turn a promise of God into a performance of God. Look in the Bible. Every time Jesus, almost every single time Jesus did a miracle and he had the opportunity to say so, he said, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Or something like this. According to your faith, be it unto you. And then after Jesus ascended into the heavens and the disciples tried out their new tools of the trade, the man at the gate, beautiful, they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Everybody gathered around and began to laud them. They said, why are you treating us like gods? It was the name of Jesus through faith in his name that caused this man to stand up and walk. Praise the Lord. We tap into the provision and the supernatural storehouse of God through operating in faith. The passage of scripture we read in Romans chapter 4 says that Abraham was able, if you got your Bibles, verse 19, or verse 21, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to also to perform. Of course, you know the story. Abraham is already an old man. He's as good as dead. That's what the Bible says. Sarah's womb is dead. She's moved beyond uh, the childbearing age. And it's an impossibility. But God had given them a promise. 
And because he accepted that promise of God and he accepted it in the right way, he turned the promise of God into a performance. Here's something I like to do here. Look at this verse, uh, uh, verse 19. It says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I want to read the opposite of this scripture. Okay? We're going to untie the knots. Okay? Are you with me? Let's look at it again. This is the opposite. This is where some of us are sometimes. And being weak in faith, he considered his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, he also considered the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered at the promise of God through unbelief. He was not strong in faith and he didn't give glory to God. Think about that right now. This is the opposite of the kind of faith that turns a promise into a performance. He was not weak in faith. He considered not his body. He considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. Come on, the Bible says he staggered not at the promise of God. He didn't stagger or waver or question or one day believe and the next day not believe. But he was strong in faith, uh, giving glory to God. But sometimes we are weak in faith. We consider every obstacle between us and the miracle. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says he considered his own body and his wife's body. That was the obstacle between them and the fulfillment of God's promise. God gave them a promise, I'm going to give you a child. What was the obstacle between them and the promise was that they weren't having kids anymore. They were too old. But the Bible says because they were not weak in faith, they did not consider it and they did not stagger at the promise of God. So the kind of faith that Abraham has is the kind of faith that turns a promise into a performance. The kind of faith that says, if God gave me a promise, I'm not going to sit around all day and think about why it's impossible and why it can't happen. I'm not going to sit around all day, amen, and question the promises of God, but I'm going to be strong in faith and I'm going to give glory to God even while it seems impossible, even when it seems like it's not going to happen. I'm going to give glory to God at that point because my faith is not based on the circumstances. But my faith is based on the promises of God. When I consider and dwell upon and think about and ruminate. See, we're all human. That's why I said we all got to fight for our faith. Because it's only human nature to begin to think about all the reasons why that God's promise isn't going to come to pass in your life. To think about all the reasons why your prayer is not going to be answered. To think of all the reasons why in this economy God cannot give back to you what you have given to the kingdom of God or what you have given to someone in need. When I consider or you consider or dwell or think about or ruminate uh, uh, upon the obstacles to the promise, whenever we waver at the promises of God or stagger at the promises of God. Let me pull in the verse of scripture we read in James. It says, if you want to receive a promise from God, he says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God. He giveth liberally. He upbraideth not. But while you're asking, you need to ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
Because the person that wavers is like a wave that is tossed to and fro here for a minute, there for a minute. This is the kind of faith that James says, the person that has this wavering faith, let me go ahead and give them a word. Don't expect to receive anything from God. That's what James said. Am I putting words in his mouth or is that what the Bible says? If you want to receive from God, ask in faith, nothing wavering. Somehow we at Life Church, some of us need to learn how to have faith that does not, is not subject to our surrounding circumstances. What is a wave? A wave is water that is subject to its surrounding. Waver means to move based on what's happening, based on what's taking place around. A wave is subject. It has not a mind of its own. It's simply moved about by the circumstances. Sometimes that's the way we are. We're encouraged or discouraged. We have faith or begin to stumble into doubt. Amen. I'm pointing fingers at myself too because we all struggle with this. This is the human struggle. But I I know there's some people at Life Church that are ready to get up and fight the fight of faith and say, I'm going to have God's promises in my life even if I have to take my sword and poke my doubt and unbelief right in the chest every morning. Send a message to that old negative spirit that tries to get a hold of me and keep me trapped and keep me contained and keep me wrapped up and tied up and struggling with the same situations I've always been struggling with. I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to speak a word of faith. I was riding with Brother Keys last week, uh, taking him to the airport on, on Monday, last Monday. And while I was riding, I, I told him, I said, Brother Keys, I appreciate your ministry. And I mentioned two or three other men. I said, because every time I need an adjustment, all I need to do is go hear one of you preach or get a tape of one of you preaching. And the words of faith that you speak get my mind back in order. I said, how do you do it? How did you build a great church? How did you minister faith to your church and see miracles happen and people receiving the Holy Ghost? He said, you come to our church on a Wednesday night, there's going to be 30 people get the Holy Ghost. I said, what, what is it? He said, you know what, Brother Brown? He said, I've got to fight for my faith every day of my life. And I'm not rude to anybody, but I'm not going to hang around with people that talk negative because I fought too hard to get this faith that I got. I fought too hard to get this confidence in Jesus Christ uh, to hear somebody moping and complaining and bad-mouthing and saying, well, this isn't going to happen and this can't happen and boy, isn't this impossible. He refuses to listen to that. Uh, He said, because I fight for my faith every day and if you want to be an overcomer, if you want to be victorious in Jesus Christ, uh, you can't just depend on faith that you had five years ago where you could believe God five years ago, but now you let everything in your life be dictated by the circumstances. I'm wondering if there's some children of God that can stand up tonight and say, I believe in God's Word. I believe in God's promises for my life. Hallelujah. Because when you sit around and think about the obstacles to your promise and when you waver at the promise and when you don't give glory to God because you don't see it happening, what the Bible calls this is weak faith. We may call it being practical, being reasonable, being logical. The Bible calls it weak faith. Waver means to be affected by the circumstances and the surroundings. Uh, in my home, when I was growing up, we had a swimming pool in the backyard. 
and the light in the swimming pool whenever you would dive into the water in the evening time on this um, privacy fence in the back, it would shimmer. Why? Because the light was affected by the water. It was affected by the water. This is the kind of wavering faith that is typical in some Christians, most Christians, when they start out. It's faith that is strong and has great upswings of expectation. God can do anything. But as soon as the circumstances or the things that are around us move us, we are subject and our faith is weebly-wobbly and staggering and wavering based on what is happening in our life. And when something happens from this side or something happens in our family or something happens in the workplace or something happens in our finances, rather than just watching it and saying our faith is in the Lord, it affects our faith as well. This is the way Peter was in his early experience. He sees Jesus, thinks it's a spirit, and then they realize it's really Jesus. And he is walking on the water. Walking on the water. Peter is like, his faith goes through the And he's like, if that's you, Jesus, I'm ready to join. Bid me come. Jesus says, come. You know, a lot of us are, are like that. We have those experiences. This is the way we are as human beings. I don't know who in the world could go to a Jesus crusade where Brother Lee Stone King is preaching and not be moved to believe God for great things, right? You go and you're like, oh, I'm just let me pray for somebody. I, I believe I can, I can pray and a tumor will disappear. Bring Brother Sergeant. I'll pray and his arm will grow back. Bring, whatever it takes. I, I, I believe God can do anything. And we have these upswings of faith. Praise God. Whoa, we're at the top of the peak. But then as soon as the first circumstance comes, it knocks us all the way back down. We're like a wave. Boom, we're up. And then we're down. We're up. And then we're down. And we're excited because, oh man, I can believe God for anything when the atmosphere is right. When I'm feeling right. And when my mood is right. When my belly is full. And when I just got a good news. And, uh, and uh, I just got a raise. And uh, we just had a great week. And uh, my faith is high. But then let something happen that doesn't. Uh, fit my plan for the kind of circumstances that I believe God has for my life and it affects my faith. This is immature faith. This is baby faith. It's not bad. Everybody's got to go through that state. But the point I'm making to you, Life Church, is the kind of church that moves forward is a church that learns how to have faith when the circumstances are favorable and that faith still stands when the circumstances turn unfavorable. I'm talking about strong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? As the waves are crashing and coming and going, there is that concrete anchored pillar of the pier that is not affected while the seaweed and the, and the moss uh, and all the junk is being moved around by the waves. There is something that is solid. Uh, and I'm telling you now, the kind of faith that brings revival, the pr- kind of faith that produces the supernatural is the kind of faith that refuses uh, to be affected by the circumstances, but says, God, that may have been the way that I used to be, but can you bring about a change in me?
Because Peter steps out on the water. Everything's great. But look what the Bible said. When he saw the wave and the wind and the rain, he became fearful and began to sink and cried out to Jesus. Jesus grabbed him and saved him. How many are grateful that the Lord saves us when we take those steps of faith and our faith wavers? And we start to sink and the Lord saves our bacon. And then he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Why were you double-minded? What does double-minded mean? It means believing one thing one minute, another thing the next. I I like to illustrate it this way. Remember the man that came to Jesus and said, "Um, can you heal my son? He's possessed of the devil. He throws himself in the fire, in the water. Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. Is that not the message of the Bible? If you believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. So we're not talking about two people. And we're not talking about a man who was schizophrenic. We're talking about one normal human being. Who says, on, one, on the one hand, God, or Jesus, I believe. But on the other hand, I've got unbelief. You know what this tells me? This is a principle that I heard a long time ago. And I've been preaching this many years while I was an evangelist. I just feel the evangelist spirit on me of late. We're going to have revival at Life Church. It's time for people to receive the Holy Ghost and get baptized in Jesus' name. Time for a new end gathering of souls. But uh, I heard this a long time ago. If you are one person, but you can have faith and unbelief, that means that you can have both faith and unbelief in the same vessel, in the same person. Another place in the Bible, it describes a couple of men, Stephen and Barnabas, as men that were full of faith. Everybody say full. Anybody full tonight? Full of faith. I'm glad nowadays when my tank is full of gas. Amen. And I just dropped a hundred dollar bill. Full of faith. Now what does full mean? Full means there's no room for anything else. It's full. Say, let me put some ice in the glass. You can't. It's already full. It'll overflow. It's already full. It's a container that's packed to full capacity. So if a person can be full of faith, and this this, uh, uh, story in Scripture said, I believe, help thou mine unbelief, it lets me know that there is a container that all of us have, which is our faith container, which we've got to fight to keep full. Because when it's not full, it's not just air that's displacing where it was once full. It is unbelief. So in the same container, there's a little war going on. Between how much faith and how much unbelief I have. Here's my faith container. When it's full, I have no room for unbelief. When it's half full, I can be double-minded. That means I can believe and I can also not believe. The Bible says that unstable or or double-minded people cannot expect to receive great things from God. That's why at Life Church, 
I'm emphasizing, we're emphasizing and seeking to practice the fact that we pray every day. Not just so we can be disciplined, but because I realize that if you don't keep your faith container full, you're not going to see the miracles in your life. If your faith begins to be uh, subject to circumstances because uh, there's a preponderance of unbelief in your life, uh, then you're never going to experience uh, all the great things that God has for you. I'm preaching to you tonight, Life Church, uh, that God wants to do great things in your life. But the question I have for you right now is what's going to happen now that you've stepped out of I'm believing God. I've made a step of faith. Let me promise you, there's going to be some winds. Let me promise you, there's going to be some waves. Let me promise you, it's going to seem all of a sudden impossible. Let me make a promise to you. There's going to be a whisper in your ear that says, that was all you. God didn't speak to you. And there's going to be questions that begin to bombard you. And that's why I'm challenging you at Life Church. We have got to learn, not just for our capital stewardship campaign, but for the revival that's going to produce miracles and deliverance that we can't imagine. We're going to have to have people that have stubborn faith. Bank account says this, I'm stubborn. My boss says this, but I'm stubborn. Come on, somebody. The doctor says this, but I'm stubborn. The enemy says this, but I'm stubborn. Why? Because you're difficult? No, because I've got a promise from the Word of God. And I've discovered that in order to receive the promises from the Word of God, I've got to have faith that refuses to be affected by the circumstances, that refuses to waver by what's happening about me. Come on, clap your hands and praise Him right now. I can just imagine Peter steps out on faith saying there ain't no way this is going to happen unless God helps me. He steps out on faith and he is walking on water. But then he sees the winds and the waves and the Bible doesn't say this directly, but I'm sure this is what he's thinking. What have I gotten myself into and what am I going to do about it now? See, when he made the step of faith, he made, it knowing, he made it fully aware that it was impossible for him to do it. He gets out there, sees the circumstances, sees the waves, sees all the things surrounding him, and suddenly says, what am I going to do? Well, what were you going to do when you first stepped out of the boat, Peter? Come on, think about that now. <laughs> Why did you take your eyes off the one that you knew was going to give you the power? And start looking at the circumstances. And as a result, look at yourself and look at your capabilities and look at your resources. And Peter's looking down and said, I got some big feet, but I don't have boats. And uh, I, I don't know how this is going to happen. This is impossible. And he begins to be fearful and he begins to sink. Come on now. The same faith 
that I used to step out of the boat is the same faith I've got to maintain as I'm moving toward the promises of God. And what I've got to do is keep my eyes on the one who I had my eyes on when I took that first step. I've got to keep my eyes on him and I've got to keep stepping. I've got to keep walking. Come on. I'm not just talking about a capital stewardship campaign, but I am talking about revival. God has promised a a supernatural revival to life church. He's promised it to me. He's promised it to you. And church, we got to keep on walking. We got to keep believing and quit thinking that now we're going to do what we knew only God can do at the beginning. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and praise him right now. Hallelujah. Why don't we just stand and praise the Lord together right now? I feel the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, God, in your name. Oh, God, in your name. God, in your name. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Praise God. Sit down just four more minutes, five, four or five minutes, because I want to tell you. In Scripture, the Greek Syrophoenician woman, remember the woman who came to Jesus, said, my daughter's demon-possessed. I need deliverance. What did Jesus say to her? First of all, he ignored her. Anybody been praying about something and it seems like God's ignoring you? I mean, we can be, let's go ahead and be honest. Uh, He's not hearing me. I must just be an invisible spirit because he's not even seeing me. He's just walking on. Anybody done that at a restaurant before? You walk in, there's waiters walking all around. Like, am I? That's the way it was. The first obstacle to the miracle was that Jesus ignored her. Most people would quit at that point. But she didn't consider it, and she refused to be denied. She kept saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, following after him. Finally, Jesus, it seemed as if maybe he was perturbed. He turned around and said to this lady, hey, woman, you're a Greek. You're not even a Hebrew. And my ministry right now is focused on the lost sheep of Israel. The fact is, my miracles right now are to try to put faith in children of Abraham, not heathen Greek people. The facts are, the facts are, there's no miracle for you. And that's a great obstacle to your miracle. Amen? Doctor says it's impossible. Amen? The facts are many times an obstacle to the miracle. And many people will believe the facts sooner than they will believe a promise. Jesus stated a fact to this woman, but she had great faith. And even when she first of all was ignored and secondly was given a fact that was an obstacle to her miracle, the Bible says she began to worship Jesus right then. Come on, I want, to put, I want you to put yourself in there. What is it that you've been asking God for? What is it you've been believing God for? And first of all, you don't even get an answer. 
no response and you keep praying and you keep believing God and you keep asking God and finally there's a word that you receive. It's impossible. And then you begin to worship God. That's what she did. She began to worship Jesus because she had great faith. And the third thing Jesus did is he told her, you're not worthy of the miracle because I can't take the meat that's designed for the children and throw it to the dogs. And some people, when they sense that they're not worthy, that becomes an obstacle to the miracle. Anybody ever been there before? Come on now. You're like, well, maybe God could use me if I didn't have this bad habit that I struggle with over my life. Maybe God could use me if I didn't have this weakness. Anybody let the devil before do that to you, keep you from praying for somebody, keep you from teaching a Bible study, keep you from stepping up to what God's next level for you was because the devil convinced you or you convinced yourself or maybe it's just a fact that you're not worthy to operate in that realm. But regardless of this obstacle of unworthiness, uh, amen, she had great faith. Most people would have given up when Jesus ignored them. Most people would have given up when they heard the facts. Most people would have given up and forfeited their miracle because they sensed they were unworthy. But this woman, despite all of these things that happened, she kept pursuing after Jesus. And Jesus finally said, man, I am blown away. I've been all over Israel and I have not seen faith this great. See, what made her faith great was that it stayed intact. Regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the negativity, she kept believing Jesus. And Jesus finally said, I haven't seen this great of faith any." Anywhere. Why? Because she didn't consider the obstacles. She didn't consider the circumstances. And she turned a promise from God into a performance in her life. And she walked home to where her daughter was already healed by God's power. Praise the Lord. I got good news for my brothers and sisters tonight. Everybody want some good news? I already told you the greatest news, and that is God's promises for you. Every promise in the book is yours. The other good news is you already got what it takes to tap into the promises of God. You've got faith. The Bible says the Lord dealt to every one of us a measure of faith. You either got a little faith or a lot of faith. But we all started out with a little. Some of us, we built it up by reading the Word of God, by hearing the Word of God, by receiving the Word of God. By praying in the Holy Ghost, building upon our most holy faith. Amen? But here's the good news is. The good news is, what I have been in the past in terms of my faith, I don't have to always be. The point is, if I have had wavering faith in the past, if I have had faith that seems to ebb and flow with the circumstance, up and down with what's happening around me. I don't have to always have that kind of faith because I said from the very beginning, my title is Building Unwavering Faith. Hallelujah. And you've got a pastor who is committing to you to preach faith, to preach faith, to lift up faith, amen? to send you a message of faith until your faith begins to get stronger and stronger and you get more and more full of faith and have less and less unbelief in your life? See, here's the awesome deal. Peter, the one who stepped out on faith and sunk in doubt, 
one who's willing to whip out his sword and fight for Jesus. And then a little while later is denying that he ever knew it, cursing at a woman. The ultimate example of wavering faith, Peter, up and down, up and down. But you know what? Something happened in Peter. There was a change in faith. Because one of the coolest things from the life of Peter, I love this story because this is so unlike Peter. Peter, in the book of Acts, and I'm drawing it to a close, don't worry, is in the worst possible set of circumstances. What's the circumstances, Pastor? The circumstances are Herod had taken one of the apostles, whose name was James, seized him, and killed him with a sword. And all the Jews were proud of Herod and giving him props for taking care of this crazy Christian problem. When Herod saw that it pleased the Jews that he took and slew James, he said, I'm going to take Peter next. Yeah. Peter's the ringleader. I'm going to take him and I'll do him like I did James. I'll take his head off. I'll run him through with a sword. And then I'll really be the toast of the town. So he takes this same Peter that is ready to pull out a sword when Jesus and the apostles were there and then ready to deny Jesus a little while later. Let me out of the boat. I can walk on water. Down, thinking and begging Jesus, Jesus to save him. This same Peter, who is ready to conquer the mountain when the circumstances are right, and ready to crawl in an anthill when the circumstances are wrong, is placed into prison. While he's in prison, the Bible says it was time for him to go before trial. Many theologians say this was the day that he was anticipating dying. They were going to take his head off. That night, he's in prison. Guess what he's doing? Is Peter pacing around, chewing on his fingernails? How many of you could fall asleep the night before you knew Herod was going to run you through with the sword to take your head off? Guess what Peter's doing? Peter is sawing logs. He is sacked out. He is sleeping. And when the angel comes to deliver him, he has to wake him up from a dead sleep. I just picture that. Instead of being stressed out, he says, whatever happens, happens. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ. He's been there for me. He's proven himself to me. And my faith is in him. And the angel has to come. And I got a picture of, in my mind, an angel slapping him in the face and using smelling salts trying to get Peter to wake up. Because rather than being stressed out and bent out of shape, he's just relaxing and trusting God and believing God. And I'm telling you that the same person whose faith was subject to the circumstances became a person whose faith was strong when the circumstances got terrible and faith was strong when the circumstances were good. The point is, even though my faith used to be wobbly-weebly, even though my faith used to be staggering and wavering, I believe there is a place that I can 
find a place that I can go to in Jesus Christ. That's why this stewardship campaign is a great thing. Not only are we going to raise some money, but we're going to build some faith. We're going to build some pylons, deep pylons of faith that cannot be shaken, cannot be pushed around by the circumstances of life. And that's the kind of faith that the Lord is developing in our lives. Let's stand together right now. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder if you could give glory to God right now. Hallelujah. The story of Abraham, the story of this Greek Syrophoenician woman, two people whose faith should have staggered, but it didn't. One thing I noticed about him is at the exact darkest time, when Abraham knew he was almost dead, knew his wife was beyond childbearing age, the Bible says in Hebrews, he staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not. But he gave glory to God. This lady, when Jesus said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. What did she do? She worshiped him. She began to worship him. That's one of the great miracles of worship. That's one of the greatest, most powerful aspects of worship is learning to praise God when the circumstances look impossible. Learning to worship God when it looks unlikely. Learning to worship God when the obstacles become the most glaring and the most obvious to continue to worship God. Right now, I wonder if all across this place, if we could lift up our hands to the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Come on, this is the time to worship God. This is the time to give Him praise. This is the time to believe for great things. Come on, some of you have been praying for your family members. Some of you have been praying for situations. And as you look at it now, it seems impossible. But I'm telling you to worship God right now. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that now is the time to believe God, to trust God, and to worship God. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands to Him right now. Jesus, I believe You. Jesus, I praise You. Lord Jesus, I magnify You. Hallelujah. Lord God, strengthen my faith. Help my unbelief. Let me be full of faith, Lord Jesus. Full of the Holy Ghost and full of your power right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. I want you to say these words because they're from the Bible. I want you to say, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me the strength. Hallelujah. I can do all things. I want you to say this. Nothing is impossible. To him that believeth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These are the promises of God. These promises are forever settled in the heavens. Hallelujah. God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great and greatly to be praised. The devil is a liar and the devil wants to keep me away from my promises. The devil wants to keep me from the goodies that God has for me. And I refuse to allow him. I accept and believe and embrace the promises of God right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Before we leave here tonight, I wonder if we could gather up around the front here. We're going to have a baptism in just a moment, but we want to worship the Lord together right now. Come on up here close to the platform. Everybody, come on, move in. Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord together for a few moments right now. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. I believe you. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, give me a strong faith. Give me an unwavering faith. (laughs) God, give me a boldness about revival. Give me a boldness about your blessings. God, in your name, give me a boldness, Lord Jesus, about healing. Give me a boldness, Lord God, about every promise in the book uh, that applies to us. uh, Every blessing that's available to us. uh, In the name of Jesus, we pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In just a moment, we got a praise report. Before that, right now, I want you to lay your hands on somebody, a person around you. Just maybe one person or two people right now, if you know their name. There's something that they've been praying for and believing God for that the enemy has tried to discourage them about. Maybe it was something they prayed about and it's been a few months or maybe even a year since they prayed about it. But in the name of the Lord, something has been stirred. Those embers have been stirred up by a word of faith right now. And I want you to pray for them that God would build up and strengthen their faith. That they would receive the word of the Lord. That they would accept the word of the Lord. Hey, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord, build up my brother's faith. Fill up their tank, Lord Jesus. Let them be full of confidence in you, Jesus. That you will do what you promised that you'll do. God, that you're going to answer prayer. That you're going to open the windows of heaven, Lord God. That you're going to pour out blessings on their finances. That you're going to pour out blessings on their children. That you're going to pour out refreshing on their marriage. God, you know, Lord, what the need is. You know, Lord God, what they've been praying for and crying for. God, give them faith right now. Hallelujah. Sometimes the darkest hour is right before the dawn. Sometimes the most impossible circumstances is right before God steps in and says, See what I can do. In the name of the Lord, give him faith right now. In the name of the Lord, build up her faith. Lord, give her confidence in you. Let her believe you, Jesus. Come on, confess it in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now that you would release a gifting of faith to somebody whose heart is open to it right now. The gift of faith as a gift of the Spirit.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Many of you, many of you know the story of Sister Amy Wong from from the church there at uh, Eagle Rock, that God moved on her and spoke to her, that uh, she was to establish a home for homeless people. And uh, the problem was she didn't have a source of income. She used to be homeless herself. It was an impossible situation. All of a sudden she said, I claim that house right there. Walked up to the door, as I remember the story. Told the person, this home is mine. Person said, No, it's my home and I'm not selling it. No, you're going to sell it to me. Long story short, I don't know all the ins and outs, but she ends up being able to buy that home. Now, this lady that started out when she first was introduced to Jesus Christ as a homeless lady, who looked for $20 on the road to be able to feed her little son, now she owns a building downtown Los Angeles worth $3 million. She owns it to feed homeless people. God has allowed it to happen. You know why? Because she has stubborn faith. With every circumstance and every amount of logic says, no way, not you, not here. It can't happen. She says, it is going to happen. That's the kind of faith that I'm talking about that does not allow itself to be affected. I'm talking about faith, amen, that is strong regardless of what happens. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Sister, we're going to have a baptismal moment. We've got a testimony of faith right here of what God's done. Praise the Lord. I just just praise God. We give God glory and honor. Sunday, all the testimony. Lord, I want a testimony. I want a testimony. And Saturday, God gave my friend that has cancer, I don't know, some of you know that I do the marketing juice. Praise God. God, glory be. I lay to my father, and I won't get any of the next month. Once I step out, I'll get her home. Once I do that, Monday, I might. I know that there was I didn't have to pay for it at all. It's just like, I had to go look at it three times. I said, no. <laughs> you know, I saw the amount of money, but then it said total amount due, zero. I said, Jesus. I looked at it again. I was on the computer. My daughter said, what's wrong, Mom? I said, 
I'm just amazed. I'm saying, Jesus, because I have a whole case coming to me. No charge. No charge. Thank you, Jesus. No charge. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I was sharing, I was sharing with some of the sisters. I said, it's not, I said, it's all about your faith. You know, I said, prayer is the key. Prayer is the key. But faith unlocks the door. Prayer is the key, but faith unlocks that door. Thank you, Jesus. I just give God the praise for that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. As God shows up and works miracles like this in your life, I want you to write down the testimonies because we're going to keep them. We're going to keep them. Praise the Lord. We're going to keep them in a scrapbook. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll have a testimony in just a minute. She's got a testimony too, but I think... Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, Brother Donnie, lead us. Amen. Let's just go ahead and pray for Mia. We were talking about um, what, what, what Christ did on Calvary. And as we were talking, just feel the Spirit of God just moving. And today we're excited for her tonight that she, she made that major awesome decision to be baptized. But before we baptize her, let's just pray for her. That God just uses her for, for his glory. He, he, um, she, she has a testimony. But that testimony that, that she's going to have tonight, after tonight is even going to get better and sweeter. Amen. So let's pray for her. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have, God, to baptize this lovely young lady, God, in your precious name. God, we pray that you would use her for your glory, God. God, that you would baptize her with faith, God. That you back, baptize her with strength, God. Use her for your glory, God. That your will would be done in her life, God. God, anoint her footsteps, God. Lord Jesus, we pray, Lord Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for what you did on Calvary, Lord. We thank you for the cross, God. We thank you for the blood that you shed for our sins, Lord Jesus. We're thankful for the opportunity that you've given us to be, that we can be baptized in your precious name for the remission of our sins. And this evening, God, we pray for Mia, God. Lord Jesus, just use her, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus for her, Lord God. Lord, in the name of Jesus, anoint her, God. In your precious name, in your precious name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray and believe God's going to use her in a mighty way. God's going to do miracles in her life. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands one more time. Hallelujah. And praise to the Lord for what He's doing. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Sister Claudia wanted to give a word of testimony. Praise the Lord. Um, I have a testimony. Um, a couple months ago, I've been looking for a job. And um, uh, on Monday, I had an interview for a job that I've been looking actually part-time on my schedule, which was 9 to 3 or 9 to 4. And what happened that Monday, I go to my interview at 10 o'clock in the morning. They asked me for my license. And the lady tells me, we will call you when we need you. And then after that, I said, okay, it's fine. I'll just wait. But once I get, ho- I got home on my house, the phone rings, and they tell me that they want me to start yesterday, which is Tuesday. And it's, yes. and it's on my schedule. I work from 8.30 to 4.30, and over time, only one hour, but I work Monday through Friday and weekends off. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hey, guys, it's starting to mount up. It's starting to mount up. Sister Maria got a raise on the job. Brian Lede got a raise on the job just this week. Sister got a job this week. Sister Brown got a job this week. Come on, somebody. This is the miracles of God. God's provision. He is a prayer answering God. Hallelujah. Amen. Iris, do you have a testimony? That's right. That's right. She testified that uh, they asked her to come to this real estate company that's uh, been having uh, a great result. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. Amen. God's going to continue. Thanks for being here on a Wednesday night. Thanks for feeling what I'm feeling, the spirit of revival. Let's keep that spirit alive. Let's come Sunday expecting great things from God. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.